1: In the beginning, when he was young, I thought, well, a young man, it's good for him to tramp around, take a lot of different jobs, but it's more than 10 years now, and he has yet to make $35 a week. Why am I quoting Death of a Salesman? Because this week, we're looking at the death of an LGS. Mm -hmm. Basically, now that things are, like, not great, and Wizard seems to be doing everything it can to destroy the LGS, uh, how do you know when to call it quits? How do you know when to close the doors, turn the lights off, play closing time for the last time, and close the doors? Let <laughs> me done with it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: To so, me, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, to me, this is kind of interesting because my experience is only from, and I want to say the positive side of things. Um, a lot of people think that when you close down shop, it's negative, but it doesn't always have to be negative, and that, but that is kind of how we are framing this week there are positive ways to close the shop. Anecdotally, I have a lot of those stories. So we'll tr- try and keep it light, and I'm kind of interested to see from the other side of things how this kind of goes down.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting because when you talk about closing an LGS, obviously a lot of people see it as bad because you know either you're closing your doors to the community or uh, they, there just wasn't enough business, you weren't doing things appropriately, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is though that there's a few factors that go into when to close okay Uh, obviously the big one that everyone knows about is cash flow Mm -hmm. if your cash flow is bad maybe you should look at closing Mm -hmm. Um, you know if you're struggling to make ends meet as far as your allocation and stuff goes obviously if you're struggling with payroll that's an issue yeah Uh, that's also I've found and maybe it's similar in your case Uh, More often than not, that's the first place that people go to save money to try to stay open. And what usually happens is the owner, if they are collecting a check, stops collecting a check. And they say, you know what? I've got to take care of my staff. I'm going to stop drawing a check for the time being so I can pay rent, so I can pay my distros, so I can pay my employees, so I can pay my utilities. Yeah. Uh, And cash flow is very, very important for that. Um, One of the other things that I think, and this kind of leads more into the positive direction, is do you feel like you've kind of run your course with it? You know, there's nothing wrong. We did an episode a little bit ago about do we ever see ourselves leaving the industry and what would that look like? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing wrong with you deciding, you know what, I just can't be that involved. You know, I've known plenty of people that have closed, so to speak, uh, and what they do is just sell the business to somebody else, and then it just moves somewhere that's closer to the new ownership. And it's not bad. It's literally just, hey, this is, I've run my course in the industry. Yes. Uh, I'm not really feeling fulfilled by it anymore. And it's almost, you know, as someone who's owned a shop and been involved, if I don't feel invested in my community, out of fairness to them because the community deserves an owner of a store who is invested who wants to make them happy it's almost like you owe it to your players to get out or at least find someone to step in that is passionate about the community that is going to take care of that that is going to say you know what uh i think that why schwartz is the dumbest game in the world but my community loves it and i love my community yeah so i'm gonna do it yep and I think that's been something that's played out time and again, not just locally, but people I know that have had stores in other areas. Is it's you know, look, I've I've gotten everything I can out of this. I've given everything I can, and I'm just moving on. Yep. Done.
0: Yeah. Uh, anecdotally, I've seen a, a, almost every aspect of what you talked about occur, but it never led to um, a full LGS shutdown. What, had happen- what happened in one example was the shedding of an entire vertical. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the payroll that came with that allowed them to refactor the business and continue to operate at profit and eventually bring other people on to better serve the new verticals that are better serving their community, and so it worked out for them at the expense of one employee and a small aspect of their business overall. Much maligned at the time, but in the interim, other businesses have come in to offer that same vertical, and while that has created a little bit of ire and a fracture in the player base, overall it turned out to be pretty good because it allows multiple LGSs in the area to survive at kind of an an unequal footing. I have seen somebody run their course in the industry. They sold, uh, they and their business partner sold their entire LGS. They were not asked to sign a non-compete. So six months to a year later, they reopened with the shop that they wanted to, which is much more of a pop culture style shop. And when that hit a threshold, I believe either one or both sold out again. And now one is doing what they want, which is being a road warrior. They are independent in the industry, but they get to travel, which is really what they wanted to. So they stepped away successfully from two businesses to find what they wanted to do, which was really no longer serve a community or a group of people, but rather sate a desire in their own lives. Uh, I don't know if their business partner still maintains uh, the pop culture shop or not, but that's, that was that story. The the closing of an LGS, like I said, is not really something that I <clears throat> have been able to experience, but I, I have seen it. There was a shop here that started as primarily an eBay business, decided to open a physical shop, always seemed like it was on the verge of closing, but primarily did its business online. I just wanted to give it locals another place to shop. And then during COVID, when they could no longer hold events and the large company that was next door went remote and they lost foot traffic, they decided to quietly close and return to their online business because there was no community to serve. And if the community needed to be served, another LGS had popped up that could serve that community. And so for me, this has never really been that impactful.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is, this used to be a much bigger issue years ago Mm -hmm. when you had maybe one or two lgs's in your town and that was it yes uh i don't think that's really you know been a thing as much because there's so many lgs's out there now because Mm -hmm. there's so many people involved that it makes it a lot easier to say hey you know what uh i can just go to this other place you know it's not the worst thing in the world Mm -hmm. i'll just go somewhere else yeah and that's fine and i think that's been something that you've Kind of seen pop up is now with the prevalence of LGSs everywhere, it does two things. One, it makes it a lot easier for your players because they have choices. Yes. Two, it does make it a lot harder for an LGS because there's way more competition, which mm-hmm. lends itself to the first type of closure I talked about, which was basically your cash flow is not there. Um, and I think, you know, timing is very important for that, right? If I open a store in August of 2020, probably not open anymore.
0: Oh yeah. That's when uh we were finalizing a contract and looking to That's right. build rather modify the space because it was there for a spa so it had a weird like sink so I, I can't remember that detail. But yeah, I we were like almost under contract for the space getting ready to sign the paperwork necessary to get contractors in and then like COVID, COVID struck a couple months later and luckily like that kind of pulled the rug out from underneath us in a very convenient way because we'd only dropped the money for the business license and everything needed to move forward so it was only a couple hundred bucks and we look back on it and we think of that as kind of a saving grace because only one person would have been able to pull a salary at the time so that would have been one person at the shop. And this is going to be on a college campus. So even though we expected money to be flowing in, even at the beginning, only one person would have been able to draw a salary. Yeah. That was just the expectation. And that puts a lot of stress on one person to just kind of get things up and running.
1: And that's one of the issues that leads to the, you know, oh, well, I'm gonna stop taking pay now because Mm -hmm. if someone realizes, man, I can't do this alone. I have to bring someone else on. most people as the owner would be like you know what man i i got i gotta cut my pay because i i can't not have this person working 40 hours a week yeah but i can put in 40 hours a week and as long as i have enough to live i can just not pay for the rest and just that'll you know stay in the business Mm -hmm. and i think one of the other things is you know knowing your player base is very important for this because if you can let they're, they're, anecdotally, there was a store here in St. Louis that's been around for 25, 30 years at this point. Yep. Uh, they hit the point where, due to cash flow, they realized, hey, we're probably going to have to close. Uh, and they let their community know because their community, again, had like, there's literal parents who grew up going there as kids who now go there with their kids. Mm-hmm. To play games, and they told everyone in the community, Hey, you know, we're gonna do a, a bash like a tournament weekend where this is gonna be our farewell. Uh, and in doing so, the community rallied around them, and now three years later, they're still open and thriving. Now, nice, uh, so you actually can, you know, there are ways to tell, Does my community care? Do I owe it to my community to care? Yeah, and that's been something that I think. You know, there's a few people I know that either owned stores like that or went to stores where they said you know what look this place was so important to me I don't want it to go away Yep. because there's people that it can continue to be important to and I think you touched on something important when you talked about the store that just got out of an entire vertical uh, that's something you know you don't necessarily need to close up shop if you're not making ends meet it doesn't just mean it's time to go you can look at restructuring the business Mm -hmm. what verticals do we want to get out of uh if we get out of a certain vertical does that mean there's less employees what does that look like do we want to shift hours and there's all these things you can do to exhaust before it's finally time to say you know what we gotta go uh and i think there's no unfortunately like catch-all for it there's no oh i can't pay rent i need to close i mean that's probably a good sign that something's not working yeah it just may not be, hey, let's close up straight up. Uh, it can be as simple as, you know what, mm, let's take a look at some other stuff instead. Yeah. You know, if you're open till 3 a.m., are you really getting enough people after 10 o'clock to make it worth it?
0: hmm Yeah. You know, you can look at shedding employees or moving the one employee that you might leave around into, like, a judge position or what have you. So... You, know, you you offer more for that time, but you also get to maintain presence in the store and continue selling with a reduced staff, et cetera. And this is not a a fast process to go from no. open to close. This is something that you can see and sense and kind of watch come down the yeah. pike, so to speak. Then, Because it does give you time to shift verticals, to move things around, to see what does and doesn't work, pull your your customer base, your player base, what have you, to see if there's anything that you can do to make this happen. And then when it's time to go, it's basically just like Liquidation City, like yeah. everything from
1: the floor to the rafters. Yeah. Uh, when Moonbase closed, we literally, like even the monitors, computers, the shelving units, everything. Yeah. It was, hey, let's get rid of it to get as much money as possible and then split it and call it a day
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh and that's kind of you know we sort of we we let everyone know like a couple months ahead of time hey guys this is going to be our last day of operation just to give people time to look for another job yeah and then after that it was well it's going to take us about a month to get all of this stuff like torn down and out of here so let's do that uh and that's you know that's where a lot of the time came from. Okay. Was getting everything torn down, sold, etc We were probably in the space another month and a half, two months. Yeah. Literally, just trying to get all of that stuff gone. Yep. Um, because some of it, you know, was like board games, Magic inventory, uh, computers, and the stuff like Magic inventory. Obviously, there's a fast out for that. Yes. There's buy lists. There's no buy list for gaming monitors or uh, your fixtures. Or, yeah, especially fixtures. You know, there's no buy list for a custom-made display counter for cards or a booth. Um, And then, you know, something every LGS has struggled with is those six- to eight-foot glass display cases. Where do you post those to get rid of them? There's not a quick and easy way outside of, like, Craigslist or Marketplace. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like you can go to another store and say, hey, I see you have all of your displays set up. Would you like some more that yeah, you don't yeah. have space for?
0: You've got to hope there's another business looking to open up to come and pick pick up your cases. Like uh, Again, anecdotally, when we were looking to open up, one of the things we were paying attention to was uh, jewelry stores in the yep. area. Because this, the display cases are generally pretty similar. And as you begin to look at display cases, they're essentially like echelons. And the upper echelons have safes and security Built in, so you don't have to walk your stuff back to the main safe. You can put it essentially underneath the case. Yep. In a time lock safe. Whatever. Yeah. As part of the fixture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, first thing to look out for was any jewelry stores in the area that we're looking to move fixtures for one reason or another. And similarly, when you're looking for hardware, table shares, etc., a restaurant style. Distros yeah. often have uh, tables and chairs that satisfy like WPN requirements usually. Yep. And so that's a cheaper way to go in, but to get out, I'm like what are you gonna do? You're not you're not you're not Pizza Hut in the nineties selling themed uh Chachis like a lamp.
1: <laughs> Man, I miss those arcade machines. Uh yeah, and I think, you know, another thing is when when you do that and you realize it's time to close let's get rid of some of this you know are there vendors you've worked with in the past and that's one of those important things about building relationships is hey this is a local store that we've done some deals with we've run some tournaments together maybe reach out to them and see if one they know anyone or two they want some of this stuff Uh, because that is you know one of the most stressful parts about closing not that closing isn't Bad enough but oh I closed my business and because in some way it you know failed or I moved on or whatever so there's a sense of loss but also now I have all this shit staring at me and I have to get rid of it mm-hmm. so having those relationships is very very good uh, because it turns out shipping those displays is a nightmare Ugh, don't yeah, do I it one of the things I'm, I,
0: I'm curious to know about you mentioned like the the going out bash is when you're timing this you're timing the, the step back you you have to let your players know your community can continue yep. to, to filter in but if you're going to downsize or you know right size leave the industry what have you your players will go play somewhere else mm-hmm. and my expectation is that as a you know a good business owner you will let them know ahead of time can and essentially end your events yeah with foreknowledge
1: Yeah. uh, And usually like a month or two ahead of time is, you know, good Uh, that I've seen people do is about a month ahead of time. They'll let people know, hey, this is what we're, you know, we'll be our last day is this day. Yeah. Uh, We'll be running X, Y, Z event. What usually happens is your players will probably start to go somewhere else before that last day. Yeah. But they will absolutely be back the last day. And the reason they're going to go somewhere else is like, look, I can't spend my store credit if you're closed. So why would I play here and earn in store credit?
0: Yeah,
1: or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think you'll see that, but yeah, the the good ones do. They come back for the last day. They come back to say bye, not just to their friends and the staff, but to the space. Mm-hmm. And, but I think, like you said, having that foreknowledge is important because you can't just drop it on them three days ahead of time. Yeah, people may be out of town or whatever something, but you know giving them enough lead time to have a good send off for the community as well as the store itself i think is really really important mm-hmm. um once you do decide it is time and again it's something that you may you know if cash flow is the issue you may not be able to have good price support but anything you can do for the community is better than nothing, nothing. because you know at the end of the day Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, You don't open an LGS to make money because you're going to make shit. Yeah. Uh, You you open it because you love it Mm -hmm. and because you love the community and you love the industry. And if you 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 want to offer something. Yeah. You want to offer something. And sometimes it's hard to say, you know what? This love and this passion wasn't enough. Yeah. The business failed somewhere along the way, Mm -hmm. be it through mismanagement or what seems to be the case increasingly is literally just the increasing cost of stuff competing and having to compete with the manufacturer in the space makes it very difficult for stores to survive Mm -hmm. every the the reach for any
0: vendor not any vendor any LGS in the US can be the US North America extends you know you can access Canada if you really want to ship and vice versa And so you're competing against everybody all the time. And we saw it with TCG Player and CFB Marketplace. They were going tete-a-tete with sales to compete for dollars, essentially, for customer wallets. And that's the same thing with every LGS that's online right now. You're competing against all of them. And generally speaking, somebody out there is running a sale. Right now, I think there is a sale on, people have basically been, I don't want to say fire-sailing, But, like, putting the Warhammer 40k collector decks, the $500 thing, on sale at a deep enough discount that it makes you question the $500 quote MSRP that we saw on Amazon at release, and it's not just one LGS, it's like a cycle. Every time yeah. somebody's sale ends, another person picks up, and so that's that's what you would be competing against as an LGS trying to sell this product. Is every other LGS is doing this, so it makes it difficult for you to attempt to work just locally. When nationally, you're getting you could be getting blown out by other LGSs and the the OEM. Yeah. On via Amazon, and that is an extremely toxic environment. To attempt to work in. It's impressive that people still support Sealed at the LGS level when you can buy it so cheaply yep. elsewhere instead of just singles, but people that like coming down to the LGS that enjoy the LGS that want to support the LGS are the ones that you said will come back on the last yep. day. They're the people that you can count on. They are your your comic subscriptions essentially. But you have to be aware that you can't just be stagnant. We've talked about this a number of times recently. That is yeah. kind of setting yourself up for failure if you remain stagnant and unwilling to compete. But at the same time, competing shrinks your profit margin because everybody else is searching for the same razor-thin margin Yeah. with national reach. Because why not condense everything down into the eBay marketplace
1: why not and it's it it is getting increasingly difficult especially if you're going to if you want to make money on sealed product it almost seems like you need to be in the Walmart margin model where you're just doing insane volume and making three to four percent yeah lower. that's just not a good spot for an LGS I feel like maybe that's wrong but why? Well, if your locals either have deep pockets or you have enough
0: locals to buy that sealed or you're willing to compete online for those margins, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, competing online for a sealed product seems like a fool's errand right now, but yeah, that is what it is. Uh, like Baldur's Gate sealed is starting to dry up. That is becoming increasingly expensive despite the EV on the set being all Bad. in on Ancient Copper Dragon and, like, five yeah. other cards. Yep. Yep. Like, trying to resell that is, I mean, now it, it might be profitable as it dries up and you can move it for more. But at the time, you were competing against everybody else to bargain bin sale sell it. Star City right now is selling Streets of New Capenna at 80 a box, which is roughly, it's $10 less than they were selling it. That's a sale. Yeah. But it's about 10% over the EV on the set. Horrible. Yeah. like That's not a margin you can rely on as an LGS if you're just saddled with these boxes. You can't yeah. compete with Star City who's going to make that Walmart margin when you need to start at 10% just to make your overhead back on what you spent and the employees to essentially bring it into your system and then ship it. Very, very difficult as far as the like the life cycle go, goes on the way out you know you're, you're closing down shop do you just kind of let your sellable inventory churn in store as people kind of straggle in? you know like this week is x percent off next week is y percent or would you look to kind of fire sale as much as you could to
1: either another LGS or what you mentioned a buy list so I think there's a couple ways you can do it and I think one of the important things is uh, what are you more concerned with Mm -hmm. and by that I mean are you more concerned with am I taking care of my community or are you more concerned with I am Alleviating some of the impending debt. And I think that's important. Uh, and it's, there's no okay. right answer all around. Uh, for example, with Moonbase, there was one guy that had like four figures in store credit. He was literally the first person we told. Because we said, hey, look, this is going to be a thing. You have the most store credit, which you earned not from one event, but from playing like every event.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We want to make sure you're taken care of so come on up spend your store credit this is what the discount is going to be we're going to go public with it on saturday if you can come in before then we'll get you taken care of yep uh and that was you know an in store because the debt wasn't the concern it was making sure we took care of the community Mm -hmm. uh if it's you know look i need to get money do you need the money quick because then it's buy list or you need the maximum amount of money, because mm-hmm. then it's in-store slash TCG turner. Yeah. And okay. I think that's really where that distinction comes in, is you have to decide which of these is actually important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this, is it more important to take care of the community, or is it more important for me to basically cover my ass? Yep. Yeah. And make sure that money is there. Yeah. When people come to collect. Okay. So.
0: That, that makes sense. The, the experience that I have with an inventory sale is from the vendor perspective where we bought out another vendor. And that deal took months because logistics were involved. We yeah. bought out a vendor that was looking to exit the industry. They were in the Southwest, the American Southwest. And on the buy, it was over a mil. Like That's what we paid. Uh, not too much over, but somewhere a little over north of a mill. And we had to pallet ship back all of the the singles inventory. And it took months to go through it and inventory it and put it into the system. And it wasn't like Piddly inventory, it was stuff like Chinese 5th Ed with
1: the symbol. Oh, Chinese 5th Ed is the
0: best. So, yeah, so we had like the dark rits and stuff. Uh, was it? To, I can't remember if brainstorms
1: were in, but like brainstorms were because I had a place that in my pauper deck that got stolen. Yeah. So
0: it, it wasn't just chintzy stuff. Like there was stuff that had to be like inventoried properly and it took months and months and months to do, to do the deal. And then after that months and months and months for us to inventory it, but they were still dragging their feet on exiting the, uh, the industry. They, they made their deal on the magic vertical But the others were still waiting, and at that point in time, it it kind of was the question was, are you actually getting out, or are you just kind of looking to, to change verticals like we mentioned up top? Eventually, they did exit, but they had no initial debt they needed to pay down. So they could just take their time, drag it out, cut down verticals. As necessary, shrink the business over time and continue to make things profitable, which I think is a little more of a unique situation. And generally, lends itself to the vendor side of things. In the LGS, it's hard to kind of cut away verticals and still maintain profitability because you got to rent your space. Yeah, you know,
1: that is very true. Yeah. So,
0: anything else that you can think of for this kind of process? Like the there were some flagship markers we talked about up top. To let you know, like, hey, you're on your way out.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, not really anything else I can think of, no. Okay. You
0: ready for picks, then? Let's do it. Right. Um, I think you went first last time,
1: right? I did, yes.
0: Alright, so I'll go yep. first this time. So, uh, I'm going with a Nautilite chip uh, card I've only been watching for a couple of weeks, but a card that I like a lot uh, in regards to picks right now, and its placement within the commander format. So, when we look at it on stocks, it's just a rope. And you you might look at it and go, well, why are we going to look at this card that has a market of three dollars and twenty cents, when the market has been three dollars and twenty cents for the better part of three months, and Card Kingdom was buying thirty five at two dollars, because quietly Card Kingdom is now buying forty three at three dollars. Littlest now as of recording, it's about a uh, two fifty credits at three twenty five. Okay. Well, what about what's going on in TCG Player? Well, when we look at TCG Player, there's immediate arbitrage opportunity if you can buy at quantity, and there will be in the, ne- in the next coming weeks. It's like, okay. So we're looking at a card that has a very narrow delta between buyless price and current market price. So we can either flip immediately for profit, trade for profit, or hold for the long term, and we'll cover. Now, as far as Commander is concerned, this is eminently playable in every deck. It's like Relic of Progenitus, it's a very low effort way to control a singular graveyard. Though this does get better if you can crew it, I don't see that as a reason to not include this in any deck that wants to deal with graveyards. It's also, I think, an above-rate vehicle for those themed decks, making it an easy inclusion. Now, uh, Nautiloid Ship, I forgot to mention up top, four mana for a five-five artifact vehicle with flying, When it ETBs, you exile target player's graveyard, uh, crew three, but the trigger that I mentioned is when it deals combat damage to a player, you may put a creature card exiled with Nautiloid ship onto the battlefield under your control. So you just kind of upcycle what, what was coming from the graveyard. Now as far as the format is concerned in the microcosm, I don't think this is S tier anti graveyard tech. It doesn't belong. Uh, for, when you're looking at the pack, it doesn't belong up there, but I believe it is a fairly high option on the tier list. I'd say somewhere in the B range, and it's notably better against Reanimator than Spell Slinger because you can bring back their creatures, you can't bring back their spells. And it's not to say it's bad against Spell Slinger. There's just an obvious benefit to targeting the creature Reanimator player versus the Spell Slinger, Spell Slinger or Spell Reanimator, however you want to look at a player. You know, if you're playing against Kess, you know, not the greatest target. Now, the mana value of this compared to other options makes it a bit difficult to include. Again, it's four compared to one or zero, which is what I believe pushes it down that tier list, but I think it's the most playable anti-graveyard card regardless of what the makeup of your commander pod is. You know, compared to Tormod's Crypt, Relic of Progenitus, Bach et al., this is a bit mopey but in a non-cdh pod c-e-d-h pod this card is going to be a house at all stages of the game deployment later in a game can be better as your opportunity to trigger the on combat damage the player clause to deploy a game winning threat is much higher so really good from turn four onward being an artifact makes it incredibly valuable as part of that anti-graveyard package and as far as vehicles are concerned this is also incredibly impactful at all stages because it does something really unique compared to a lot of other vehicles in the reanimation process and four mana for a 55 vehicle with flying and crew three seems ahead of the curve to me and i think it's the trigger that really makes it dangerous as a vehicle and we're basically looking at agnostic demand and that's what sparks my interest a lot of my picks from a while ago just apply to a number of themes they weren't just pigeonholed and that's what I like about this. It's an artifact like Relic and mod script, but it does a little bit more than those. And it allows you to play a different or unique game. And the reason I didn't talk about any given strategy to employ this in is because it doesn't belong to anyone's strategy. Relic doesn't belong to anyone's strategy. Bog similarly. They don't belong to a the strategy. They just are foundational to the format. Now, as far as the timeline is concerned, I expect within the next three months, will be able to outlist to buy list for cash profit, though immediately there is the opportunity for profit and credit, like I mentioned. And this moves on average about 320 copies a month, and there is about three months of supply left if sales velocity keeps up. And I do believe that's going to happen, as while we have moved on from Baldur's Gate, it's recent enough that the new Commander product, 40K, 40K containing recursion themes will continue to spark interest in this card as a counter comp. So what I mean by that is people have forgotten about Baldur's Gate because it's already 16 sets old. But now we have 40k with reanimation themes, so people are going to look at the cards they just opened in the calendar year 2022 and see, what can I do here? They'll find this card. Bing, bang, boom, here you go. Now, it is within the 40k uh, deck, Necron Dynasties, commanded by Sazarek, the Silent King, that I believe is going to push interest because of a land that was in the sh- in the in the list tomb of something or other. Yeah, right. That's the card that people are going to look at that have been looking at. That is going to renew interest, push interest in this a little more because now we're going to see in the face. Commander players are going to see in their face a reason to play Nautilus ship. Now, like, well, I don't know if my group has reanimation on this. No, here you go. They're handing you a land that's going to reanimate things. And uh, Tomb Fortress, that's it. So simply put, Watsi gave us a solution, not a light vehicle, to a problem, Tomb Fortress, we didn't know we were going to have. Like six months ago, whenever this set came out, right? So it was a solution without a problem. As far as reprint equity is concerned, I could see this being reprinted in like a matrix universes beyond as a sentinel, especially based on the look. But I can't imagine this appearing anywhere else as is because the nautiloid is part of baldur's gate 3 like the game Mm -hmm. itself the nautiloid belongs to that so pretty sure it's as close to a zero percent reprint chance as is they really can't reference nautiloid ship anywhere else so i don't know how they would do this by quantity i've got a couple of these from cracking product and playing drafts not too many, but I'd be happy throwing another $40 at this to have a few more play sets to trade from, setting aside six to eight to sell the buy later. Because when I wrote this up, like I said, CK was buying $3 a piece, and I see that price rising again in short order once people get these uh, Warhammer decks.
1: Yeah, I think one of the interesting things we've seen lately with products over really just the last year about, uh, within a year they have forecasted solutions a couple of times now mm-hmm. uh, I think Nautilus ship is just it fits such a good battle cruiser mentality I mean it, it literally is a battle cruiser for one Yeah. Uh, and for two it's very efficient to crew it's color agnostic it goes in everything and provides a way for any deck to interact with a graveyard in a way it may not be able to you know And obviously Relic, Crypt, all that does too. But this one also gives you a clock and a way to reanimate. Yes. Which I think is huge upside. Uh, I actually bought 10 of the Borderless while you were literally just explaining why the card was good. um, Because I realized I don't have any yet. And I think to me one of the big draws to this is not only how battlecruiser is but like you touched on the reprint equity on this is so so low yeah that i don't know when we're going to get it outside of Baldur's gate or a secret lair but unless they're doing like a D &D secret lair i don't really think they'd do it and if they did that I feel like they'd probably do stuff like Minsk and Drizzt and stuff like that that's way more iconic for Dungeons & Dragons than the Nautiloid ship, mm-hmm. which didn't exist until Baldur's Gate 3, and I guess they kind of touched on it in Spelljammer that just released, but I really don't think there's any reason they would go to the Nautiloid ship in a secret lair.
0: Yeah, they, they want to do interesting things with the vehicles. We just got Unlicensed Hearse, which is the constructed solution to graveyard problems. And this is the commander solution to Graveyard Problems. Uh, For for what it's worth, the population in Commander is criminally low, and I think it's just a matter of time before either decks get submitted with this card and so more people see it, or, like I said, there's that rush to binders after people sit down and either look at their 40k decks and say, okay, I need X, Y, and Z to upgrade my deck or they play in pod and they realize that tomb fortress is a very real card they're going to see it outside of that deck and they need a decent solution and they're going to pour back through their binders i think recency bias in this case is actually going to serve us pretty well and once it begins to kick off you know sales velo is decent i think it'll uptick and then we'll just kind of take off to the moon like right now it is like super, super, super mopey on wreck and basically only goes with like Baldur's State Generals and then some vehicle hoo-ha that I think is quite unimpressive right now, but it's just a matter of time, truly. You, on the other hand, are pantsless. Uh,
1: Yeah, speaking of color agnostic ways to deal with things colors may not have access to, uh, we are going for Karn Liberated, so named because he is Magic's most well-known nudist. Uh, so last week I picked Scape Shift because Scape Shift does a very good job of preying on the Omnath decks I expect once some more modern events happen you'll see Scape Shift start to overtake the meta you know what does a really good job of killing Scape Shift Tron Tron loves Karn Liberated I love Karn Liberated in EDH Where if you check EDH rec, it's in 1% of decks, which is insane. Uh, This card is a way to deal with any problem permanent, any problem permanent type Mm -hmm. that you don't have access to. One of the other interesting things about this is if you look in the stock graph, this is literally the lowest price this card has had since 2013, almost literally 10 years ago for the new Phyrexia version. That yeah. is absurd. And we're just coming off of the Double Masters... Well, I guess it was the original Double Masters was the last reprint. Uh, the one that had the original art and then the Teton art that looks... No offense, Very smart, confused. Kind of ridiculous, yeah. it's He's very confused. Um, I don't think we'll get this reprinted in Brothers War. It's in the list
0: for this set, so I don't think so. For DMU, yeah. it was added to the list. I don't think we're going to get it in...
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll get it after that. And as we've seen, the list generally is not enough quantity to actually impact the price of the card. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just not. Um, Timeline-wise, that's where it gets a little bit interesting because it kind of depends on what happens in 2023 with organized play. Uh, we know we kind of have a pro tour. We kind of have NATs whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't know what organized play is going to look like after that. Now, if for some reason we find out we're getting modern events, yeah, I think this card explodes back up to the customary 30 to $45 price point. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this price as well is, as recently as May last year, its current low would have been buy list. Uh, When it was $30, $35, Mm -hmm. $20 was buy list for it all day. Uh, Looking at the price chart, it seems like the price dips. And then usually within six months to a year, we go back up. Well, we've been on a steady downtrend since about this time last year. But without organized play, I think it stays steady. Mm -hmm. so I'd be expecting a turnaround of about nine nine nine-ish months on this so it is a little bit longer now quantity wise I mean it's 20 bucks so really you could go for the EDH set Uh, most of the Tron lists I know now are running about two to three because there's other planeswalker options obviously so you know what maybe you only need six to eight Uh, either way I think that worst-case scenario, if this is something you trade out, it's very unlikely you lose money at this point. Uh, this card is a way to answer everything in EDH. Yeah. And I think that this may be a case of... Because, frankly, the representation on EDH rec does not back up even a $20 price point for as often as this card has been printed. For as few events as are happening now in Tron, or in paper... But somehow, this price has maintained. To me, that says this may actually be a card carried by the Invisibles. Because I don't know where else the demand is coming from. Unless there's a ton of Karn decks that are out there that just aren't registered on EDHREC, which obviously could be the case. But you'd think that out of 1.5 million decks, more than 10,000 would have it in there. Mm -hmm. But Uh, Right now, we're at an all-time low for a card that has massive utility, has a massive tournament pedigree, and has an established archetype that probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, So I think this is very, very good to invest in for the mid-to-long term, being in that six-to-nine-month window. Yep.
0: uh, The three things I want to bring up are, one, you need this to play Karn Tribal in Commander, Absolutely, uh, two is that I think Karn Lib, much like Patriarch's Bidding, when I discussed that, is removed from EDH Rec because of the price point it carried, which will move, which will bring me to my third point. But that is going to kind of relate as to why this is low pop on Rec. People just could not afford this. Didn't want to spend the between. Uh, Fifty and a hundred, almost a hundred dollars, that this one planeswalker was. So they just didn't. And now that it's more palatable, it's easier to find. With the the list printing, people are opening it in DMU. Yes, we might see this pick up. Now, the last point I want to make in regards to prices, when we take a look at stocks, every time it peaks is when Tron either uh, won a GP or did very well at a Pro Tour. Almost every single one of these, I can call out uh, distinctly. The only one I do not remember is right between Rivals of Ixalan and Dominaria United, or not United, um, just Dominaria, whatever happened in there, what event that was. So the ne- we can essentially predict that the next event that Tron does well at, essentially, would just gonna be a Regionals or maybe a Pro Tour, that is what is going to help push this up. Not just demand from people who are now able to buy in because this is a very reasonable card to buy into, but also demand from Modern because like you said, when Scape Shift pops up, Tron is a very good hammer for that nail. Similarly, when mid-range decks take over the format that are green based, you can't thought seize the top of the deck, Tron is a very good option for that. When Omnath disappears, Tron is a very good option for that. It loses to fast combo and can lose to burn a lot. Outside yep. of that, there's Tron is definitely a, a, a natural predator for a part of the modern format that just got pushed out right now. Yep. And once we see modern settle back into something a, a little more similar to what we are used to in regards to Archetype, we should see Tron break through. It's still on the fringes, people still play it, so yeah, there's probably very light demand for it, but not the kind of demand that brings us the peaks that we see on the graph. Uh, As far as timeline is concerned, I would think it would be... Man, if we find out that the third Pro Tour of 2023 is modern like we were talking about a while ago i would expect a lot of the f- the cards that have just sunk in modern to get pushed back up in preparation for whatever could happen in the format because the last thing people people want to do is be on their heels especially yeah. if they're going to be backpacking or just playing the finance game with the modern format exactly so we'll, we'll see some float there and then as results pour in and people go f- you know, people treat magic like it's two thousand six again, and buy and buy into a new deck. After every result set, we will see people pick up libs and that'll continue the float and push this back up. But that would be my expectation. Is whenever that pro tour is announced,
1: yeah, that would be my timeline. That's time about when I'd expect it as well. Yeah,
0: and quantity. I think again, spot on. You know, if you have the opportunity to throw two hundred at it probably not a bad place to, to store that for the time being if you want to wait on that if you want to go a little wider you mentioned very accurately that the constructed playset is 2 or 3 right now Yep. it all depends on regardless of what colors you're playing in Tron what your planeswalker suite is mm-hmm. and if you're leaning more Eldrazi than traditional but uh, that would still put you either at 0 or max 3 so if yeah. you were to pick up four or five, that gives you the opportunity to trade out the fourth and the fifth, and that is, that it might also be reasonable. You could pick it up from an extron tron player. Yeah, <laughs> they'll have their copies ready to go. They will. They're done. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know I am with Tron. I I, lo- I love the deck dearly. I have my Japanese Chronicles lands. Yeah. That people hate, but I am I'm off that. I'm on, uh, that's Gabe's bullshit right now. Yeah, the, the, the deck that Tron preys on. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I get to play all the best parts of Amulet without having
1: to also solve a Rubik's Cube. That's fair. That's, uh, definitely a huge positive. I
0: play lands, and you lose. It's an easy strategy. It's very yeah. easy for my tiny brain. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I believe that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Unless there's anything more you want to talk about. All right. We're good. So for at MTG Cabalcast, which you can find on Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I am at Halt. I am Reptar. You are? At Thirsty Sizzler. I will see you next week.